Hello and welcome to the biggest and best podcast there is, the UOG Men's Rugby Podcast. We are back again with episode two. I'm Sam, by the way, and with me is Charlie Hines. Hello, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. And today we've got a couple of guests. We've got two guests for our second episode. We've got hopefully a new segment towards the end of the podcast. And yeah, it should be good. So obviously some of the boys have been busy this week on Sunday. They were helping out another rugby club in a charity event. We had, obviously, we had another Zoom social last night. Did you have fun, mate? Yeah, it was great fun. <laughs> Doing this in the morning, you know, it's slightly early, but yeah, it was good fun. England versus Wales. The Wales boys were a bit outnumbered, but you know, the right result was found in the end. Wins a win, isn't it? Indeed. Right, so here he is, our second ever guest on the UOG Men's Rugby Podcast. It's George Sanderson. Hello. So, can you want to introduce yourself to the to the listeners? Yeah, so I'm a member of UGRFC, obviously, in my second year. Um, yeah, not sure what else there is to say, really. Obviously, the boys were taking part in the Barnes Big Lift on Sunday, something that you helped, helped them coordinate. How you want to, just want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so basically, my P, I saw my PE teacher on Instagram, actually, and he's one of the coaches at Barnes. And I saw him sharing all these videos from people like Jamie George and other players, basically trying to encourage people to get involved with it. So I saw that and I thought, we're usually quite good at doing stuff like that as a club. So I decided to uh, to try and get as many people on board as possible. And do you want to tell people about the target we reached and things like that? Yeah, so within the club, I didn't really not being a massive gym lover myself, I didn't really know what would be a good target to set. So I set 2,500 and um, that target got reached quite quickly. So then later on in the day, we upped the target to 10,000, which was an amazing amount. And we just about hit that by the end of the day. So that was a really good achievement for the club. Do you think it's important to get the boys involved? Yeah, I think it's definitely important, yeah. Um, Obviously, it's it's important to help out where you can, and to be honest, we should all be lifting some weights anyway. So, it's um it's important. Obviously, moving away a bit, that um obviously the season ended quite abrupt. How did you you felt the season went up until then? I thought it was a bit of a mixed bag of a season, really. But um, but by the end of the season, we were starting to gel quite well, and um, it's a real shame that it got cut short. And obviously, varsity, you missed. We were you were in training camps when the season finished. How disappointing is it to have that not at the end of the season? Yeah, it's really disappointing because that's the sort of thing that you're looking forward to all season. Especially as we were we were struggling quite a fair bit in the season to put performances together, but they started coming towards the end. So it's a real shame because I think we're all looking forward to performing in varsity and. Obviously, it's a great, great day for the club, great day for those watching, and it's a brilliant excuse to all come together. Do you think that makes people and the players more determined for next season then? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, I think obviously this lockdown's allowed a bit of time for reflection, and I think, um, I think reflecting on this season, I had a good time, um, but I've definitely got a bit more of a fire in my belly to kick on for next season now, and I'm sure that'll be the same with a lot of the boys. I thought you said that next season. Um, how do you think the boys will prep? 
this lockdown be taking so long now? How do you think the boys will have to prep for pre-season? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to see what the future holds. Um, but I know personally, I'm just trying to stay fit, trying to get a lot fitter than I was. Um, and then I don't know regarding rugby what's going to happen, really. Hopefully, it will be, it will be as a... It will come become normal soon, but if it doesn't, I'm sure we'll find a way around it. Um, we're pretty good at thinking outside the box, so yeah. Obviously, the boys have been having these weekly Zoom calls. How important do you think they are to keep the team spirit up and the team like cohesion things together? Yeah, I think they're important for a number of reasons. As you said, firstly, seeing your mates, um, probably getting a bit of a change of scenery from whoever you're in lockdown with, which is nice. Um, seeing, them, seeing your mates, having a laugh and all of that. But I think it's also really important to sort of keep you sane, really, because I know without these Zoom calls, I, I'd be lacking a bit of interaction with people my own age, which is uh, it's very important. As the equality officer, did you feel a bit disappointed that only three Welsh lads turned up to the call last night? <laughs> Yeah, I was disappointed, but I wasn't wasn't necessarily <laughs> surprised. No, you think the yeah, go on, George. It, it was a shame, but oh well. Obviously, George, you were one of the three boys who completed a marathon recently. What was your kind of drive, inspiration to do that? Well, as Cam said last week, um, he he was sort of he put in the group chat contacting me, asking whether whether I wanted to do it, and. Uh, at first, I just said yes, and I couldn't really couldn't really tell you why I said yes. But um, but then, as I was going round, Cam had Cam had set off about four hours ahead of me, so I thought, right, I was look, tracking Cam's progress, and um, and then then he he finished. So really, I think as soon as Cam finished, the competitive side of me thought, right, well, I've got to finish now. So, yeah, I guess it's just a good thing to do and it's a good time to do it. But hats off to people that actually train for it because the amount of time and effort that that takes is insane. How tough was the actual running? So I I sort of knew I wasn't going to run it all, which, which, like, that's normal. But the, the actual running side of it was pretty tough because... I set I set my um I set my route along the River Thames, which is all pretty flat. But um but then I got to about ten miles in and I'd run the majority of it and my feet were in agony. Like I wasn't wearing proper running shoes or or anything like that. So it was a it was one of those things where I got about halfway and I just thought, What am I doing? So I managed to get, get home but it was a real struggle, especially in the second half. Um, you're in your second year now. How have your first two years at the uni been? Have you, like, how do you, how have you found like, in club life? So my first year, it's always a bit exciting coming into a new club and you're sort of trying to trying your best to get to know everyone and sort of as a as a first year, all all the attention's on you in a way because everyone's sort of trying to get to know you because they already know the other lads. So you feel like there's you feel like there's a bit of a spotlight or well I guess yeah a spotlight which is which is one of those things where it's sort of it feels weird at the time but looking back on it you're you sort of 
appreciate the effort that everyone makes trying to get to know you. And then my second year, that's that's been a lot different in terms of like trying trying to get to know other people and like you don't necessarily have to make as much of an effort when you're a fresher. But then in your second year, it's like you have to make a lot of effort to get to know these new lads. So socially, it's it's different. But then playing wise, it's sort of I felt a little bit more of a expectation to sort of get things right, um, which is is natural because I've been here a year longer. So I feel like not it. You everyone always makes mistakes, which is fine. But it's like in your second year, you really need to sort of, there's more of an expectation to not make those mistakes. That's how I felt anyway. So, Cam mentioned last week that next year, quite like to move into more of a leadership role with the first team. What, what kind of are your aims going into next year? So, as I said before, I've been reflecting on this season quite a lot. And um, if I'm being honest, I reckon I could have got a lot more out of myself performance-wise. Um, but that's done now. And I had a good time. Like I had fun. I had fun living with everyone and stuff. But next year, I think my main goal is just to improve, improve my performance personally, and then hopefully that will, um, hopefully that will drive people on to do the same. Um, you said about the spotlight on the freshers. How important do you think the club retaining those freshers? going into their second year or from the early stages of their first year? It's, it's so important because you, you can't have a club made up of just two years. Like, there's... The freshers this year are obviously becoming second years, so it, it makes it makes them... It makes it almost so much more important for them to come back from this summer with with that sort of determination and fire in their belly to carry on because, like... You couldn't have a team made up of just two year groups. It just wouldn't work. Do you think with the freshers we've had this year, and obviously your year going into your final year and some of my year sticking around, do you think the club's in a good position for next season? Whatever whenever that I think be? the club is in a great position. I think it's always it's always had the it's always said that it could be in a good position, but I think Almost in terms of next year, I think varsity being cancelled is one of the best things that could happen. Obviously, I'm gutted. I'm gutted for the older lads who who didn't get a chance to play their last one. But I think in terms of next year, it, it's just the just the extra bit of motivation that we need. Thank you very much there to George Sanderson for coming on. In other news, we have a big announcement on the podcast. Well within us two, with um, Mr Sam, by the way, being nominated for Club Member of the Year at the UOG Sports Awards. So, Sam, did that surprise you? Yeah, it did a little bit. Like, Obviously, I wouldn't feel like I'm a big name for someone to nominate or to be involved in. Uh, if you look at the people on that list, such as Georgie, Georgie Easdale, Charlotte Fowle and Geordie Fowler from men's football, they're people you'd expect to be involved there's people who've done a lot for their club and for the SU. Obviously, Georgie running for sports officer and being involved in all the SU sports stuff. Georgie being a CC, sharp, playing for England touch. It's not something that little old me would expect to be a part of, to be honest. But, yeah, quite happy, like, proud of it. But, obviously, yeah, looking forward to see who wins. Yeah, obviously, at the start of the year, well, end of last year, when we had the committee elections, you were the only one that kind of 
ran for marketing sec and there wasn't really anyone stepping up, which I probably should apologise for. Um, but does it kind of make that effort all worth it? Because you have put, obviously, a lot of effort in and you've had to work quite hard with probably little help that should have been there. Yeah, it, it does kind of make it worth it. Obviously, like, I've, worked, I've been doing this for two years now in my second year or my third year and I, I feel like I've taken it from a good place like, obviously it was in a good place when Hancock left it when he left at the end of our, my first year and he put it in a good position and then I think I've kind of just taken it on a bit more like, obviously with the help of Dan Dan Hill is, who's been class he's been brilliant for us like, everything he's done has been so helpful and obviously taking it to that another step with those photos just help helping with everything obviously in our graphics and our team sheets having that kind of tiny little bit of help has helped so much. And I think, obviously, that's what me and you've been talking about, how the club next season need to push into more of a media team instead of just one person doing it. Indeed, yeah. Stuff like that would be actually quite good, I think, yeah. Keep moving the club forward and make it more of a kind of good thing to look at for people from the outside, I think. So the big award of the night on... The sports awards is team of the year and club of the year. Who do you think will be in the running for that? Obviously, there's been some clubs who've taken massive both on the pitch and off it. You look at teams like table tennis who've taken their team from someone who doesn't really get mentioned at all. So a club that's obviously actually quite well prominent in their media now. Their media's done a great job of promoting their club and that's what I think a lot more clubs need to do. But on the pitch, I think men's football obviously have had a great season. Their ones winning the league, their twos were top of the league before this lockdown. The threes got to a cup final. Their threes did really well in the cup, actually. So I think a club like men's football could definitely in the running. Same with table tennis. <clears throat> but then charity rides, you, like rugby league, you see what they're doing now. So like all credit to them. That UGRL goes global. Like fair play to them. They're doing something that's pretty amazing. That charity um, for the NHS. Obviously, they've made those T-shirts too which is something that's pretty amazing. And then you've got teams like women's football as well. They've had a great season both on and off the pitch, raising a load of money for charity, doing really well on the pitch. And same with dance. They've, I think they raised something like a grand for Bloodwise charity, which is like really impressive for a club that doesn't have a big fundraiser like ours. To raise that much money is pretty, pretty special. And obviously they've had a good season on the pitch. We well, can't say on the pitch with dance, can you? But obviously... <laughs> On the on the in the studio, they've um, won a couple of prizes at each each of the comps they've been to, and I know that they were looking forward to varsity because they felt that they could have taken the trophy back from Worcester this year. And yeah, on as you say, on the kind of results side, also a shout out to the cheerleaders who kind of didn't have maybe the most successful year last year, but this year they have started to see a few results, and all across the whole uni, we have kind of been seeing that improvement it's good to see it, yeah across the whole board really you think that's credit to George Berry a little bit well I don't think you can't credit him for it he's doing a cracking job I'd say obviously like yeah you've you put you've taken the, the FU sports department from a position where Pete Ray would left it and he left it in a good position to be fair to him but Berry's kind of taken it to the next step he's kept everyone involved and hopefully he's going to still be doing a good job next year with the help of Alex Binet and Elaine, really. So, obviously, we've just been talking about women's sport in, in the, with the SU elections and George Berry, and now we've got our second guest of the podcast, 
and that is Daisy French from Yoji WRC, which is kind of our sister club. So we thought we'd get Daisy on today to talk about just the relationship between the two clubs. So Daisy, just want to introduce Hiya, yourself I'm a little Daisy, bit. Hiya, I'm Daisy, and I'm the team captain for Yoji WRFC. Do you think having Gav from hey. our club in... Do you think it helps the relationship? Yeah, definitely. Like, we, especially as a team, made sure that, like, if Gav was playing, we'd all want to go and support him. Same with the league boys. Like, it's just a bit of respect for what they're doing for us to then come and see. And I think as well, like, just in general, like, terms of club support, like, we've had quite a few of your boys at some of our games and we've been at most of yours to support. I think it's a nice thing, especially since the clubs haven't been that close in past years. So... In Heinz, we were talking before about kind of like the progression a lot of the clubs have yeah. made this season. And obviously, you were in a difficult position at the start of the season with yeah. not many numbers. Do you think? Yeah, we're really happy with how the season's gone, considering our numbers. Like, I think we might have secured league promotion next year. So, considering we started two games, I think this season with fifteen girls, it's a massive achievement for us. So, it's really exciting for the girls that will still be there next year to see what they can do with like better recruitment and freshers and stuff so it's really cool it's really exciting. Do you think it's disappointing that the season had to end so abruptly considering the difference you made from where you were at the end of last year to yeah, where you are um, now? We only missed I think one Bucks game in the end but we were all excited for like a big showdown at Varsity that was the one thing that we were all really excited for so it's a shame that that had to end but like I say there's going to be plenty more Varsities in the future so that's something else that the girls that will still be there next year can look forward to again. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know if many everyone will know, but obviously your yeah. coaches left at the start of the season, and you've had a lot of help from rugby league with Adam and Sam Guild. But obviously, you've had our oh, Gav Dean helping you out as well. How important have those three been to? Oh, they've been awesome. We wouldn't have been able to do half the stuff just like having a coach to give a bit of guidance. Like player-led training sessions are never that fun because obviously. What you can be doing. So you just have someone come in and run a training session, and like with decent coaching experience as well, like just makes the massive difference to confidence and especially on match days, match days and stuff. To have someone come and just run your warm up, be on the sideline to like shout, looking at how like you're doing, what you can do to improve. Like it's just helping the girls, especially the ones that haven't got that much confidence or a little bit playing experience. To, from an outsider to come and help them, it's um, a massive boost for their confidence and their improvement as well. I was just about to say, on quite a few Wednesdays, we've had double headers of both the clubs at Plot Court. Do you think that is kind of a big, important factor in yeah, growing both clubs? We, as like women's rugby players, don't get many people to come and watch us anyway. So it's if we're playing before or after, people come a bit earlier and watch maybe the end or second half of our games, then stay on and watch the boys or they'll come and watch the boys and then stay after the boys games to watch us so it just I think gives a massive confidence to both teams just to have the support there and to make it a big event like people are more likely to come for two games than one so I think it's a, exciting to be doing that and kind of look looking at moment looking at next season how are you kind of looking to take the momentum you've gathered this year into kind of the recruitment for next year to yeah, build definitely. the numbers so of the squad. Fresh recruitment is going to be massive for next year, as well as looking for some sponsorship, probably. Um, just because I think if we do get promotion and we do go up that league, then it's going to be a big step and they're going to need the girls to do it. And there's quite a few 
well, there's only three or four of us leaving this year, but we're quite key players. So it would be exciting to see them do well in the league to echo what they've done this season. So recruitment will be massive. I think a lot of the work that what I've done personally to like help out spread the messages, do a lot of media work. Yeah. Obviously, with your girls, like spread the message, use team sheets, graphics, kind of assist. Do you think the media for, for both our teams is important? To get people involved, get, get yeah, people definitely. Like around. If people are seeing exciting videos, exciting photos of people doing awesome things on the pitch, then you're gonna naturally want to come and be part of that. So, I think by getting clubs out there, getting clubs together, and getting your name out there to even the wider community, like it is massive, especially for women's sport. Like, I think there should be an emphasis next year on like going out to local clubs, helping coach women's teams in the local area, just to build a better rugby base within the uni and with in the local community as well. Obviously, we, we've got yeah. Dan Hill involved with our I think, style. How important has she been to you, kind of keeping your media ticking over with photos? She's been every, every so game? great, like, to have... We all love a photo for Instagram, don't we? Like, And if you get a good photo of you playing or warming up or training, like, you, you want to post it. And if people see us all posting about how good our training session is, like, how good we look on the pitch what we're doing then I think people are going to want to come and get more involved with that and see what we're up to so maybe more people coming to games but she's been so good she's been at most of our games most of our training sessions and she's put together some awesome videos and stuff and it's just a shame that we never got to see like the what it would have been like if we had our proper varsity and everything to see what came out of that as well because I think that would have been awesome. Kind of a little bit away from you but how, um, how important do you feel like the media is the women's sports progression overall, not just I think Instagram, social media, but newspapers. I think it's massive, like especially in terms of women's rugby, because it's obviously a male-dominated sport. Like, and of you, we always get comments. You get with comments about like girls doing that. It's not a girl sport and stuff. So if media like coverage and stuff can change some perception of that actually maybe girls should be doing it and that we it is something that's good for them, then I think that is always going to be a positive message to spread. So just by coverage of seeing how well, like, women's teams can do and can be and to build that, like, support and almost fan base for it which is just a massive part of building the sport as a whole. So media coverage is massive just to see that girls can do it and that we are decent as well, not that we're just a rubbish team that just does it for a bit of fun. So we said at the start of the podcast that we've got a brand new segment for the podcast and it's going to be a quiz so every week we'll get a special guest quiz master on you to ask me and charlie and our guest a question and keep you'll keep the tally over the week so it's tally for me tally for hi and a tally for our guest and our first quiz master is liam liam least and he joins us now oh that's me yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry hello sam um yeah i've got three questions they're all about south africa the current world champions uh, question number one. Perfect. Is uh, question number one is yeah. Uh, Wayne Van Niekerk, who is the current four hundred meter world champion, is the cousin is the cousin of one World Cup winning Springbok. Who is that Springbok? Um. <laughs> 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 I don't got a clue. Oh, I know actually. You go last, Sam. Someone who's quite. If... 
Wait. What? I'm confused. Oh, is it just whoever gets it first? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. I thought... South okay, that saves everyone from having to answer it. Yeah, he's a South African rugby player. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it... Cheslin Colby. Is it someone who's also quite fast? Correct. Oh, my God, really? That's what I was going to Point for the Point for the <laughs> Sorry, Sam, I'd rather... <laughs> Stops you from answering that, right? That's all right. Thank you. Yeah, you can take the point, David. Uh, the second question is another, you know, you either know the answer or you don't, and the third question will be uh, whoever's closest. Okay. okay. Question number two. Uh, two years before the World Cup, South Africa recorded their largest loss ever to New Zealand. What was the score? Closest wins. Yeah. 57-0. Um, 52-5. Again, South Africa. There is one Springbok who has won two World Cups, played in more than one World Cup, and never lost a World Cup match. Fran Stein. Correct. Good oh, oh. Such a noise. Charlie Hines. Dread. Okay, third and final question. <laughs> I'll say 57. Oh, Charlie was earliest and he was correct. Bang on, 57-0. Bye. I think I need to get out of the house a bit more. <laughs> so I think Charlie is taking the point there for this week. So going into next week, Charlie Hines is ahead on the quid leaderboard. So thank you, Liam, and thank no you, worries. Daisy, for joining us today. Absolutely. So we'll all be back. Well, me and Charlie will be back next week with a couple more guests and a new quiz master. Cheers for listening, everyone. That one was for you, Sam.